Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. As we think about the subject, a church that sees, our God has never been a God who does not pay attention. Meaning everything he sees matters to him. Uh, Nothing that he sees is unimportant. He has never been distracted where he can observe what is going on in your life. Uh, We know the term, God is all-powerful. And we know the term, God is all-knowing. We also know the term that God is all-present. And we thank God for those terms, those explanations of our divine God. And we serve a great God, amen? And But as we think about our God, there is one subject that we need to Pay attention this morning. Our God is not only all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, but he is all-seeing. God sees all the people in the world at the same time. He sees the hearts of all men. He sees the minds of all people. He sees all actions. Nothing is catching him off guard, and nothing is a price to him. The Bible says in Psalm 33, verse 13, if you look at the scripture on the screen with me, the Bible says, very clearly, the Lord looketh from heaven. He beholdeth all the sons of men. And the Bible also says that God looks for people whose heart is perfect. Second Chronicles 16, verse 9, let's go back there once again, and maybe we missed the verse, but for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. You see, the Bible is very clear, according to Psalm and Second Chronicles, that God is searching for people, and God beholds all men, and God in every way. Pay attention to every action and every desires of men, and God pay attention to all the hearts of everyone that lives in this earth. Not only that, God also looks at the sins of men. Look at Genesis 6, chapter 6, verse 5. The Bible says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. God saw it. And that every imagination of the thoughts, not their actions, but the thoughts, of his heart was only evil continually. You see, God, in every way, is... Not only all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-present, but God is all-seeing. He sees your mind today. He sees your hearts today. He sees what you're thinking today. He sees what your desire is today. God sees everything in this world. And God sees the sins of all men as well. Oh, God does pay attention. He created the heaven and the earth. He created man and woman. He created all that we see today And God does care what is going on, and God is all-seeing. And as the Lord sees this world, as he did in Noah's day, I believe that he is very grieved. As he sees the hearts of men and the mind of men and, and all the people who have their lustful desires and their own sinful nature, I believe that God is very grieved. The world is full of sin. I think you could agree with that. The world is full of wickedness today. The world is full of depravity. And our God doesn't just stand by and does nothing. And God doesn't just stand by and let 
the sin abound, and, and he has his way of judgment, but not only that, he has his way of loving the world, and he wishes to change the world. He wishes to reach out to this world. He doesn't want to just sit idle in his uh, 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 great wonderful throne in heaven and do nothing about the lost souls of men and the sinful condition of his creation. And that's why Jesus Christ said in John 3.16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world. Would you say that with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Don't you thank God he loves you today? Despite all your sins, despite all your sinful desires and maybe your lust that you might have, and maybe some different ambition that does not match with the purpose of God, but God loves you still, and God loves everybody in this world, and He doesn't just want to let us be. No, He wants to redeem us again. He wants to buy us back again. That's why He loved the world. That's why He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross. That's why Jesus Christ rose again. And ladies and gentlemen, as Jesus Christ ascended up toward heaven, he still sees this world that needs changing. He sees men, women, young people, and children that need change in their life. And they know the solution to their change is him, Jesus Christ himself. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You see, in Christ, people can change. The world might not change in their society or maybe in the community. And, and how, it's amazing how people want to just fix the outside of it all. But ladies and gentlemen, the great problem is within the heart of men. And God wants to change the heart of people. And the solution was his son, Jesus Christ. That's why he died on the cross. That's why he was buried. That's why he rose again. And that's why his spirit is still interacting with the men of this world and the people of this world because many of them are still lost and many of them need to know that they're sinners. Many of them need to know what righteousness is. They need to know the judgment to come. That's why the Holy Spirit is here in John chapter 16, verse 8. When He has come, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Then let's break it down as Christ puts it in verse 9 and verse 10 and verse 11 as well. And look what look how Christ applies this. He says, Spirit of God is in the world because he needs to reprove the world of sin because they believe not on me. Sinners need to know that they're sinners. What sinners do, they want to justify themselves. They want to have good works, and they say they are a, they are a, uh, a model citizen, and they have done nothing wrong. But we know that there is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And men might justify themselves in their own sight, but before a holy God, they have come short, and they are all judged to be sinners. And they need to first know that they're sinners. And that's the main reason why they don't believe on Christ. 
because of their sin, and also they don't acknowledge that they're sinners. In verse 10, of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and he see me no more, and Christ was here, and thank God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, was without sin, and he did not speak the things that he shouldn't have. He didn't ever think anything that he shouldn't have thought. Jesus Christ was holy, and he is still holy. And he has never sinned, my friend. There was no guile found in his mouth. And thank God for a sinless, perfect Lamb of God who died on the cross, not for his own sins, but for our sins. And that's why when we receive Christ as our personal Savior, our sins are cleansed, and his righteousness is imputed in our lives. So as we are standing before God, hey, we're not boasting of our own righteousness. We're boasting of Savior's righteousness which is blameless, which is without sin. And we thank God for that. And Christ says, I go up to my Father. I'm going to have the Holy Spirit still working with the uh, men of this world, the lost people, and, uh, and they will reprove them of righteousness, what true righteousness is all about. In verse 11, of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. How people need to know that after this life, there is judgment. After this life, there is a place called the lake of fire. Yes, the lake of fire was not meant for us. It was for the devil and his angels. But we have uh, come to the same path of sin and judgment because Adam took of the fruit along with his wife Eve and every man who had been born after uh, Adam and Eve took on the same nature of sin. As soon as they're born, they are sinners. And by the way, Our God doesn't have grandchildren. Meaning no one is born to be a Christian. God has children, my friend. So everybody in this room needs to meet the Lord Jesus Christ in their life. doesn't matter if you're uh, 7 years old, if you're 15 years old, if you're 20 years old, or 40 years old, or 60 years old. You need to meet the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary and know that you're a sinner and know that you need His righteousness and know that there is a judgment to come and you need to receive Him as your personal Savior and God will... Declare you to be his child. And you need that in your life today. Are you God's children? You see, the Holy Spirit of God is still working in this world. No matter how dark and no matter how dire, no matter how desperate this world is, ladies and gentlemen, there is still hope because the Holy Spirit of God is working in this world. And he wants all men still to be saved. And thank God for that. That means there is hope for our family members who are not saved. And there is still hope for those who are political leaders who are not saved. They could still be born again. And I know this country is going the wrong direction and there's a lot of sins that's going around in this world and, and in this country and, and uh, 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 the great movement of abortions and, and uh, even the homosexual rights have been prevalent and, and the Supreme Court just ruled this past summer, if you did not forget about that, that same-sex marriage is legal in this country. We are going in the wrong direction. But thank God, our Savior, Jesus Christ's blood, is still powerful to save those who are lost. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Do you believe that this morning? 
So as our God sees this world, he doesn't see a hopeless world. No, he still sees hope because his spirit is still working. And he wants men to be saved. He wants ladies to be saved. He wants young people to be saved. He wants all children to be saved. And thank God, last week, four young, precious uh, people uh, uh, came uh, uh, to uh, our Harvest Festival. And they raised their hand for salvation. And they were born again. And no matter how old a person is, every soul is precious in God's sight. And we dare not to overlook, my friend. And let us always rejoice for the souls that are saved. And and let us always have hope in knowing that people could still be saved because His blood is still powerful. His Spirit is still working. I think about uh, uh, John chapter 4, verse 35. And disciples were uh, just uh, uh, commenting about uh, lunch and eating and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, getting their stomach full. And, and they went to the marketplace and brought some food for Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ said, I have better things to do than that. And uh, I have a meat that you know not of. And my meat is to do the, do the will of him that sent me. And he tells and challenges his disciples in John 4, 35. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then come at harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, look on the field, for they are white already to harvest. What is uh, what was Christ trying to do? Christ was trying to shake up the disciples. Hey, do not care about lunch today. Let's see the souls of people in Samaria. That needs to be saved because the harvest is white and it's truly plenteous. And ladies and gentlemen, sometimes we need to just look up in Gardena. We need to just look up in our neighborhood. Just look up at our family members and see the lost people who need to be saved. And look up at your, at your work and don't just uh, work for your wages. No, you're there for ambassador, as ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you need to share the gospel uh, to your boss who is not saved. You need to share the gospel to your co-worker and, uh, uh, who might be uh, at the end of his room not knowing uh, 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 what to do in his life. You need to share the gospel of the uh, Lord Jesus Christ so that that person can find hope again, so that that person could be changed by the gospel. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, let us look up as Jesus Christ told told the disciples to look up. As Christ viewed the world in sin, what did he also see? The harvest. He saw the harvest. He saw people that can be saved. As much as Christ saw the sins of the world, he saw a great opportunity of souls being saved. Where sin abounded, grace did much abound. You see, the vision of God for this world is not bleak, but it's hopeful. And God wants us to see not a hopeless world, but a world that can be saved. Even before the New Testament, God was the same. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's love for this world has never changed. Do you believe that? He loved this world in Noah's day. He loved this world in the time of the kings. He loved this world when he came down here 2,000 years ago, and he still loves this world. And he wants this world to be saved. I think about the Old Testament now, though. I'm sure many of you know the story of Jonah. You know the story of Jonah. Raise your hand. I'm sure many of you went through Sunday school growing up and and, uh, sitting under uh, a, a teacher's lesson and and learning about Jonah and the whale. And, uh, and we know that Jonah received the commandment from the Lord 
to go to the city of Nineveh. Histor- historians say it was about a, a three days journey to uh, walk in that city from, uh, from the east to the west or maybe to the north to the south. Three days journey, and they were assuming that the city was about 150,000 people or maybe 200,000 people. So in that time, it was a very big city. But Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. Now, why is that? Was it because of the journey? Why is that? Well, Assyria was the country that Nineveh was in. Nineveh was a city of Assyria. And Assyria is a, was a common enemy with Israel, or against Israel, I'm sorry. And uh, so as we think about the conflict that they had, and Assyrians would come, try to take over towns, try to take over Israel, the northern kingdom. And just like the Philistines, I'm sure many of you know the story of David and Goliath. The Philistines came and, and toured Judah and took some land, took some towns, and, and they kept on going back and forth. You remember that? And that's the same thing with Assyria. And they, and they were more of a conquering nation. They wanted to, uh, it, it was really in their blood. And you see uh, different accounts in the kings as well. And, and uh, as we think about the history, I think about the history of King Hazael. King Hazael was a king of Assyria, and Elijah anointed him to be king of Syria, and he foretells what the Assyrians will do to the Jews. The Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 8, this is not on the screen, I'll read for you. And Hazael said, why weep with my Lord? Talking to Elijah, why are you weeping? And he answered, because I know the evil that thou wilt do unto the children of Israel. Their stronghold wilt thou set on fire, and the young men wilt thou slay with the sword, and wilt dash your children, and rip up their woman with child. And uh, King Hazael was surprised to know that his country and his men will take over Israel that way. And kill all the men, kill all the children, and not only children, but those who are pregnant as well. So can you imagine Jonah thinking, I don't want to go to Nineveh. You know, they ripped up many of our people. They killed innocent blood. I don't want to go there. So what happened to Jonah? He, if you go to the next slide again, I'm sure you probably figured it out. He tries to go to Tarshish. Now, Tarshish is where? In the region of Spain, some people say in Britain. So, if you look at maybe in the land of Palestine, going all the way to Tarshish, okay, and uh, maybe around, probably around maybe 2,000 miles or so. So, he is just jetting it to the other direction. And Nineveh is in the other side of Palestine. As he is going and, and taking a ship, ship from Joppa and going far as possible from Nineveh, God intervenes, and then Jonah is thrown into the water, and then he is there uh, uh, in the whale's belly for three days and three nights. And as we think about the resentment that Jonah had, he still goes, and uh, uh, because of the chastisement of the Lord, so as he goes there, he preaches a very simple message. Very simple message. He says, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And guess what happens? The whole city repents in ashes. Sackcloth and ashes. They all repent. The kings declare, it might be if we just repent that 
God will not bring this judgment. This was the greatest, I mean, you, you thought that Pentecost was a great thing. 3,000 people getting saved. I think this is greater. The whole city came to God. And God did not judge this city called Nineveh. The Bible says in Jonah 3, verse 10, And God saw their work, and that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil. He has said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. So, as we think about Jonah and God, they had a, wrong, they had a very different paradigm of what the city of Nineveh should be in the future. I think Jonah wanted Nineveh to die in their sins. Just let it go, die in their sins. Don't want to preach to them because I know, God, you're going to forgive them. I know you are very plenteous in mercy. I don't want to go there. And that's what he says in Jonah chapter 4. I told you, God. sounds very bitter. He did not want that city to be saved. But did God want that city to be saved? Yes, he did. You see the different paradigm and his perspective? And sometimes as Christians... We get so discouraged about this world that we don't see what God sees. We don't see our neighbor as God sees. And by the way, the person that you hate so much at your workplace, you know, that person might need salvation. That might turn them around, and that might turn her around. And I'm just simply saying, my friend, see the perspective of God. See what God sees in this world. And as we think about the Apostle Paul going to the New Testament again, as we read our text, Apostle Paul was a missionary to the Gentiles. And as he is going from city to city, he goes into a city of Athens. As he is there, he is struck about the condition of this city. And we can learn from Paul's example, and he saw what God saw in this city. I'd like to give you three spiritual reactions that Paul had toward the city of Athens today. First of all, if you're taking notes very briefly, the stirring of Paul. The stirring of Paul in verse 16. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him. You know, God is not of the flesh and blood, but of the spirit. And God has his relationship with us through his spirit and our, uh, uh, through his spirit and our spirit. And Paul sees the city of Athens, and we read that his spirit was stirred in him. Now, was it his own ambition or passion? I don't believe so. And his desire to preach the gospel and share the good news was not his leading, but I believe it was God. And God working and striving in Paul's life and spirit mightily. He bears witness of this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, down to verse 29. To whom God will make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentile, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, notice this, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Apostle Paul says, I preach to every man, I warn every man, I teach every man in all wisdom because the Holy Spirit of God is working in me mightily. This man was a surrender vessel. 
Knowing that he needs, to go, he needs to do God's will. And that he needs to share the gospel. Those who are lost. And he will surrender to it. And I wonder if our spirit is surrendered to the Holy Spirit. So when we see the lost people of this world. That we are stirred. And that we're not just sitting idle. We're doing something about it. And that's what Paul did as he went to the city of Athens. The response that he had toward Athenians was not according to his working, but according to God's working. Apostle Paul was so stirred that he couldn't wait for his companion to arrive. And he said, oh, Silas and Timotheus, would you come in a hurry? And uh, would you come to Athens? He saw maybe the condition. He saw the great opportunity. Would you come to Athens? And uh, come in a speed manner. But as he was waiting, the Bible says, he couldn't no longer wait. He had to do something. Holy Spirit was working in his heart mightily. He had no time to relax. He had no time to just say, I'll get burdened about this city when my friends get here. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, are you stirred as you look at your community today? Are you stirred about your lost friends and co-workers and family members? And you might have lunch with them every day, and you might laugh, you might joke around, and you might have a great time talking about maybe the World Series. You might have a great time talking about uh, 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 football and, and any different sports and maybe fantasy football, too, as you're going through that. And you might have a great time laughing and joking around, but the reality is that person that you're talking to and laughing and joking with, that person is going to the lake of fire. What are you doing about that? What are you doing about that? You say, it's not my business. No, it's your business. You're a Christian. But Jesus Christ said, I read it in my devotion in John chapter 14, Verily, verily, I say to you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater work shall he do, because I go unto my Father. He's saying, hey, they'll do more than what I did in Israel. They'll go out to different mission fields, they go out to different areas. They'll have more opportunity to share the gospel in Asia. And what a great place that you're in as you live in Los Angeles and as you are, uh, 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 I mean, uh, having your career and having your opportunity of, uh, of a job, and how diverse this place is and, and uh, 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 how there are so many people everywhere you go. And ladies and gentlemen, how can we just stand idle and do nothing? Oh, I want to encourage you, do something. Be stirred like Apostle Paul was. Be stirred. Secondly, the sight of idolatry. The sight of idolatry. Verse 16, when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. You know, his spirit was stirred when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. I believe God used what Paul saw to stir him up. Did you know the word Athens means uncertainty? uncertainty. And that's how their condition was spiritually. They were just uncertain who truly God was. They had so many different gods they were worshiping. The unknown God, as the Bible says in Acts chapter 17, 
And these people were just worshiping whoever they wanted to. They couldn't specifically be sure who God was. So they were always interested in hearing something new and how that's the same condition in America today, how that's the same condition in, uh, in that community today. They're just choosing their own God and say, hey, every person who's sincere in their own gods will lead them down to one deity. But you know that is false because Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man come unto the Father, but by me. You cannot go to God the Father through pluralistic religion, and you cannot go to God the Father through uh, Muhammad, or maybe through Buddhism, maybe through atheism, and maybe through agnostics or uh, 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 agnostic beliefs. No, you, you could only go to God the Father, the creator of this world, the true God, through our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we need to share that to this pluralistic world. They might get offended at it, why? Because they're sinners. They're lost. They don't want to be proven wrong. They don't want to admit that Jesus Christ was God. They don't want to admit that Jesus Christ took care of their sins. I think about my father who was a very smart man and he studied and became a, a stockbroker in his life. He was very successful. But uh, my mom got saved. She started going to church and, and uh, he didn't like that at all. And, and uh, uh, many times uh, my mom tried to share the gospel with, uh, with him and let him know that he was a sinner bound to go to the lake of fire. And he said many times, who is Jesus Christ? He doesn't need to take care of my sins. I'll take care of my own sins. But a year before he passed away on the hospital bed, he couldn't take care of his sins. He realized that he was a sinner. He realized that he had to go to hell for his sins. And he received Christ as personal Savior. And by the way, it was because of a pastor who loved the soul and went on a train, took some buses. Took maybe an hour and a half, two hours to get to where my dad was and share the gospel again. My dad heard the gospel before for those 10 years, but somebody had to share the gospel again. And ladies and gentlemen, there are some people you need to share the gospel again and again and again and again. To break down that idol of their heart. And the gospel could do that. And ladies and gentlemen, as we think about the site of idolatry, it is very real as we think about this world. And, and, and ladies and gentlemen, let us realize that we serve a real God. We serve a true God who wants the world to be saved. And, uh, and, and, and by the way, the, the world cannot just add, they cannot add Jesus Christ to their religion. They need to replace their religion with Jesus Christ. And, and how people need to understand that. Are you burning about the souls of men today? Are you seeing what Christ sees? I think about the example of the Good Samaritan. The Bible says in Luke chapter 10, Verse 31 down to verse 33. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Think about that. A religious man comes by and sees a man half beaten to death. He knows the law. He knows the Old Testament scripture. He knows he claims to be, he, he claims to be a believer. 
but he walks by. He sees, but he just passes by. A Levite, a man with a maybe a religious background in the sense of a, a heritage that he might have, he walks by. He sees the man, but he just simply passes by. But the Samaritan, he looks, realizes the dire condition of this man. He loves this man. A stranger, more than a stranger, but maybe an enemy, a Jew to the Samaritan. If you ever read John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman told Jesus, who was a Jewish descendant, they said, why are you being a Jew talking to me? And they like, aren't you ashamed to talk to me like this? See, their relationship was not really good. But Jesus Christ wanted to save this lady's soul. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what inconvenient situation that you're in today. Get out of that comfort zone. Get out of that ease. And just go and share the gospel with the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, to, the, to the lost world about the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not hesitate. Realize that your eyes are there to see this world as lost. And that you could share the gospel and that you could be broken and, have, and be compassionate. Number three, I'm done. The sharing of the good news. Therefore, this beauty in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and the market daily with them that went with him. Because he was stirred, because he saw, he shared the gospel. First, the lawful. Therefore, this beauty in the synagogue with the Jews. There were religious people who weren't saved. They had their Old Testament Bible. They had their religious background. They had the scriptures memorized. They were lawful, but they were not saved. And they said, are you saved this morning? You might have a Bible in your hand. You might have some great, you know, uh, uh, Bible experiences in the past. You might have some church experiences in the past. But are you born again? Are you saved? Was there a point in your life where you realize you're a sinner and you're bound to go to hell, but and you needed Christ as your Savior? Was there a point in your life where you had that? Was there a point in your life where you realized that you needed Jesus? Not that you grew up in church, not that you always known Jesus. No, was there a point in your life where you were born again? Jesus Christ, the Savior for the first time. And if you have not trusted Christ this morning, I encourage you to Trust Christ. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. I think about not only the lawful, but also the religious. And with the devout person, meaning a religious person who is in leadership, a person who stood out, Paul preached to them as well, a person of worship. And Christ will one day uh, to some, I never knew you, depart from me. He that, he that do iniquity, you know, just because someone is a pastor or maybe a Sunday school teacher or maybe a deacon, a devout person in a church, just because he has a position or she has a position, that doesn't mean that person is saved. Position doesn't save anybody. The gospel does. And ladies and gentlemen, to the religious. Not only that, number three, to the commoners. And in the market daily with them that met with them. Now, this marketplace was a place where there are a lot of debating going on. And uh, in uh, the time of Rome and the Roman Empire. And uh, uh, so you could see many people standing up talking about different subjects. And Apostle Paul did that. But I believe that the crowd was many common people. And people probably heard the gospel through Paul's voice. And it is spoken of Christ in ministry in Mark chapter 2, verse 30, 12, 37. And the common people heard him gladly. 
Beijing, this is all to say we need to share the gospel to everyone. It doesn't matter who. Oh, we went to the police station and give them some literatures and give them some tracts. And by the way, how sad. Uh, one group went to the Compton Sheriff Department and uh, they had them wait for 40 minutes to receive the gift basket. And then they finally gave it to them and came back and they called the person who left that uh, basket and said, as a sheriff department of Los Angeles County, we cannot accept any gift from a church. I don't know what happened there, Brother Brooks, but they were just not, I mean, there are other police departments just gladly receiving it. And, and how sad for us to know that the Compton Police Department did not get the gift from Bible Baptist Church and also didn't get the gospel track and literature from us. And, but I'm just simply saying some people will reject, but some people will gladly receive. And some people might get saved in groups of multitude, and maybe a, one person might get saved in a very private setting. But everyone needs the gospel. I think about when I was in the Philippines, Brother Sanko, just about five years ago, and we preached at a college, and it was like an institute, and, and uh, Filipinos, they go into, I guess, a college work and maybe 16 years old, and they graduate by the age of 19 or 20, and they're in the workforce, and many of them wanted to work at hotel resorts, and, and these young people were just really just absorbing everything that we said. We did a skit, and, and uh, 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 I was involved, and uh, I had a great time, and I acted like a dog, and it was really fun. And, uh, and uh, thank God we don't have a video clip of that, amen? But anyways, uh, uh, you know, we did, a great, uh, we did a great presentation. I think Brother Paul preached, and then uh, we shared the gospel with everyone. And I remember multitudes of young people. Uh, no, I'm sorry, multitudes. But uh, 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 just, just I think about good 50 or 60 young people raised their hand out of maybe 200. And we just didn't know how to give invitations, so... Uh, they gave me a group of maybe 25 or, I don't know, 15, and, and uh, I had to share the gospel again, and would you just pray with me? And, and they bowed their heads and received Christ their Savior. Now, it was a different setting. I, I just didn't know how to handle it, but I just, I just had to just give it to the Lord, and I'm not sure how many were sincere and how, how many people were just going with the flow, but only God knows. Okay? I'm not a fruit inspector. God is, amen? I just shared the gospel, and hopefully they respond. And, uh, you know, there are wonderful occasions like that, but there's another occasion where you just simply knock on a door, you visit that person. And uh, uh, I remember last year in November, and, and uh, it, I, I, I visited this home many times. I could never find this guy home, and his name was Ryan. I could never find you home, I remember. And I remember I finally found them home during Thanksgiving time. And then Ryan was interested in the gospel, and, and hear the gospel, and he got saved that night in a private setting. But I'm just simply saying, every soul is precious in God's sight, in multitudes or even one. It doesn't matter. That's why we got to share the gospel to everyone in our private time, in public, in church, and just everywhere we go. Would you give a track? You might say, I don't know how to talk, and I don't know how to, you know, say Bible Baptist Church. God, have mercy upon your soul. Just give a track. Just say, hey, here's something you could read. And I'm just simply saying today, everyone could do their part in sharing the gospel with somebody. Would you do something 
to impact this world so that people can be saved, so that your family member can be saved, so that your cousins, your relatives, your friends, your best friend that you know for the last 15 years or 10 years, that person might need salvation. Maybe your grandparents, maybe your parents, your mom and dad, who is not saved, would you see them as lost people? And would you see them as someone who could be saved, someone who could be a Christian, a church that sees, seeing the vision of God?